My name is Ronya Fraser, and I'm a multi-award winning trauma recovery coach and clinical hypnotherapist and one of the leading experts in the field of narcissistic abuse recovery. Can you tell me about your own uh, mental health journey? Uh, sure. I um, <clears throat> got involved with the wrong man a few years ago, and that had a really profound impact on my mental health, because up until that point, I was always highly functioning, I was self confident. Um, you know, I just lived life the, the best way I thought possible. Now I know it's uh, even possible even better. But uh, once I got involved with that man, who turned out to be a narcissist, my mental health really took a massive hit, which was very new for me because I never struggled with my mental health before. So I didn't even realize that I was being abused at that time. I thought I was the problem and I was living in LA at the time, you know, so I thought, well, you know, after all those years, Hollywood got to me after all, and I just became one of LA's fallen angels. So it didn't actually register that I wasn't the problem. But when I was in it, it was just like, I lost my mind. It was literally, I was going crazy and I would have anxiety 24 seven and blackouts and everything that I thought I knew or remembered all of a sudden wasn't true anymore. So it was a really, really terrible place to be in. And then I eventually dropped everything that I had built for myself in the US and um, went back to Europe with the last little bit of strength that I had left. And as a consequence of that relationship, my mental health was really damaged. So just because I got out of the relationship didn't mean that my mental health would get better. And uh, yeah, I went to therapy religiously every week, as you're told to do, but nothing ever changed. So I got really frustrated with the lack of results that I was getting. And I was at a point where I literally couldn't even go grocery shopping anymore. You know, that I couldn't get myself to leave the house anymore. And uh, which is part of, you know, having post-traumatic stress because you become really hypervigilant and there's just threat everywhere. And it was really um, impacting like literally every, every part of my, my life. And I couldn't work. I couldn't go gro grocery shopping. Um, I couldn't have promised you I'd still be alive the next day. So it was a really, really dark place. And then going to therapy and nothing changing was really frustrating to me because I was really committed. You know, I wanted to get better. And I knew I hadn't always been like that. And when my therapist said to me, well, this is just how your life is now, you know, um, all we can do is find ways to manage it. That was just something I couldn't accept. And that's when I went out on a mission to find something that would reverse the damage as effectively as it was caused, because it literally happened overnight. And uh, luckily I did. And once I did, I was post-traumatic stress symptom-free within five months. And uh, now this is what I do for a living because I've obviously, you know, walked that path and I was written off. I was told that there was nothing I could do about my mental health, that, you know, I would live a um, life that would be so impacted and not a life really full of quality of life that you would like to have. 
and that couldn't be further from the truth. So how was it, you know, taking your situation and helping others who went through similar situations? What do you mean, how was it? How did it feel? Oh, I mean, it feels good. Uh, it wasn't like first, I obviously, all I was trying to do was survive <laughs> because I wanted to get my mental health back on track. But then obviously also knowing how many other people are affected by that kind of abuse because it's emotional and psychological abuse, right? It's it's invisible. And once you become aware of it, it's literally everywhere because it can be in a romantic relationship. It can be in the workplace. It can be in family. So it affects so many people. So then obviously once I got better and I was like, oh, hold on a second, this is actually working uh, then, of course, you know, it's it became the fire in my belly to actually raise awareness about that and help other people. And of course, it feels good because for me, it means I didn't go through hell for nothing because with my work, um, I can actually, you know, make the world a bit of a better place. Is there like warning signs to see when, you know, you are with a narcissist? Yeah, I mean, there there's so many, because it's become like this big buzzword online, right? So yeah. there are so many checklists, like all the red flags. And uh, I could just regurgitate all of them. The thing is, narcissists comes in so many different shades and forms. You can, you know, experience one, and then you have like all this checklist, and then you meet someone else, and they are like a completely different shade of narcissism, and then you walk into the trap yet again. So I think it's more important to explore what is actually going on for me to realize whether you're dealing with a narcissist or not, because it's always easy to find excuses for somebody else's behavior, you know, like maybe they had a stressful day at work, and that's why they're lashing out or whatever it may be but there is no excuse of what's actually going on, on inside of us. And uh, a, a very big, big indication that you're dealing with a narcissist, for example, is that you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells because you are so worried to say something wrong, to, to do something wrong, and all of a sudden that mask comes off and this unrecognizable you know, monster appears. So what happens is that we actually really compromise our own wants and our own needs just to accommodate the other person and to, you know, really do our best to do everything right. But of course, you know, it's never enough. So if you have a feeling that you are walking on eggshells all the time, and whether that's a partner or a boss or a family member, there is an indication that you're dealing with a narcissist. Um what is also a big indication is when you look in the mirror and you actually don't recognize the person looking back at you anymore because narcissistic abuse, a big part of it is actually a very tactical erosion of your identity. And you get to the point where you look in the mirror and it's literally a stranger that's looking back at you or there are actually people that see nothing at all because it's it's kind of like like, the person that you used to be literally died, right? And most um, people that get involved in the narcissistic relationship, they have so much going for them because that's why they're attractive to narcissists in the first place. And, you know, they uh, all of a sudden they look in the mirror and they just don't recognize, they don't know how they even got to this point 
because everything that they're doing now, everything, how they're feeling now, so out of character, right? Which was the same for me. I was like this really high functioning woman, very, very successful and always running the show. And then all of a sudden there was nothing, like literally nothing left. And I, I remember actually thinking like, how am I even still alive? Like, because I didn't feel like I was, but my body was still breathing. And to me, that was such a disconnect. It didn't make any sense. So if you don't recognize yourself looking back in the mirror, that is an indication. What also a lot of narcissistic abuse survivors say is, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like an addict. And uh, that speaks a lot for trauma bonding, especially in the beginning when we don't have the language to explain what has happened to us. And you obviously want to make yourself understood. And I remember I used those exact words myself as well. And I would always say, I really don't know, because my friends tried to talk me out of the relationship and, you know, giving me all this advice that went in in one ear and out the other ear. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like an addict or he or she is my heroine, they're my drug, something like that. So if that's how you feel, if that's what you maybe even have spoken out loud, that's an indication you're dealing with a narcissist. Or if you're just thinking like, I'm going crazy, like I'm literally losing my mind, uh, that indicates that there is gaslighting at play where the abuser actually distorts the reality to such an extent that you start questioning your own sanity. And of course, once you go like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm going crazy. Then of course they will jump exactly onto that and reinforce that narrative. And because you're already questioning yourself, what happens is then you then actually start acting crazy. Everybody around you thinks you're crazy. And then the crazy woman uh, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So all of those things are an indication. How has helping others help your own healing process? Uh, how has it helped my own healing process? I did actually my healing process before I went out there to help others, because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be able to hold the space for mm. the other survivors the way I do, because I would get emotionally triggered. Um, but it has helped me in the sense of, you know, same, it's, it's a give and take. We are in this together. We are not alone. I'm not alone with my experience. Like my story is their stories. Everybody's a story. And I find it incredibly inspirational working with all those wonderful people who have experienced such a darkness and really like horror but just to see what they are capable of and turning their lives around and then see what they take or where they take it from there to me is incredibly inspiring. What are some of the things you do to help your own mental health? Uh, self-care, self-care, self-care. I mean, self-care is also become like this buzzword, but it's actually really important. So I'm not just talking about getting my hair and nails done. I'm talking about like really... Uh, deeper self-care, uh, really a regular, profound uh, self-care routine every day. And of course, sometimes it drops off and you can feel it straight away. You know, well, like once you don't practice your self-care, you know, everything gets a little bit more wonky. So self-care is super important. I spend a lot of time in nature 
and really making sure to recharge myself because especially with the work that I do, it's really important that my mental health is in a good place yeah. because again, otherwise I couldn't hold the space for, for somebody else. So uh, yeah, nature, um, alone time as well, allowing myself to recharge. I travel a lot for work. I give a lot of talks. So really allowing myself to have breaks in between so I can recharge my battery so I can go out and do it all again. And uh, it's very demanding. So of course, it's something that has to be a priority for myself. And with talking around the world, how is it sharing what you've learned to the masses? I think it's great. Uh, and I've been doing this work for seven years now. And seven years ago, nobody wanted to listen because it didn't mean anything. And I just kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And now we are at a point where things are changing, where people actually are listening, where narcissistic abuse means something. And uh, to me, it's absolutely incredible that I have the opportunity to you know, talk about it and not only raise awareness, which of course is important, but there's so much out there now anyway, which like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago didn't even exist. Now you go on TikTok. I think it's the third most trending hashtag on TikTok, narcissistic abuse, right? Um, so there is a lot of content out there right now, but I actually offer a practical solution. So when I then go out there and yes, of course I raise awareness, but I also actually give a lot of talks at professional conferences, at congresses with coaches, therapists, medical professionals, where uh, it's not only the survivors I, you know, talk to, I address, I help. I actually also uh, make sure that the word gets out there in the professional field because the help is still missing, right? Yeah, you touched on a little bit, but have you seen the stigma of just talking about mental health and trauma uh, dissipating a little bit? Um, yes and no. I think the problem is it, it also depends on where, because I'm German. So in Germany, mental health is really not talked about. It's still stigmatized. It's it's very, very challenging, uh, even with my work, to to get the word out there, whereas you have the UK, you have the US, where uh, you talk about it much more openly, where changes are being made to cater for mental health. And there has been loads of really, you know, uh, good progress that we've been making. But I think, especially with social media, what happens a lot is that we talk about mental health in the wrong way. Because there's a lot of storytelling. There is a lot of, oh, my story is worse than yours, or my condition is worse than yours. And what I've seen happen a lot is that, uh, especially influencers that fly the mental health flag, actually don't fly the mental health flag. They fly the mental illness flag because then all of a sudden, their struggles become their identity. And, you know, obviously it's good to talk about it, but then if it becomes your identity, what happens is that you become very reluctant in actually doing something about it because it's what gets you the likes, it's what gets you the attention. And once we make something our identity, like all of us don't want to change who we are, right? Whereas before it was a symptom, it was like behaviors or, you know, like, 
uh, it was below the identity level. So I think the problem that we have with mental health now and talking about it is that it's uh, been put onto the identity level. So here is my label and I own this label and this is what it's going to be for the rest of time. And I don't think that's how we should talk about mental health and how we should treat mental health obviously but then again if you go and ask for help that's the narrative you're being told as well right there's nothing you can do but in reality you can't so where do you want to see your mission in the next say three to five years um well continuing what i'm doing anyway um because i really enjoy it and it's what i've been put on this planet to do and i would like for emotional and psychological abuse just to be recognized for what it is. So it really becomes unacceptable and not just like, oh, it's just a byproduct, you know, of whatever sexual or physical abuse. It actually in its own right, obviously causes a lot of damage. So I think we still have a lot of work to do there where it's recognized uh, in the legal system, you know, where it actually gets punished as the crime that it is rather than just like a little side product on on the side, um, that the behavior just becomes really unacceptable. And yeah, with my work, I really just want to spread the word and spread the love and my my approach uh, i would love it to be the go-to method you know that's being um used to actually help abuse survivors rather than just write them off but actually that's why i train you know as well um to to actually offer a solution rather than just go like well bad luck something happened to you now just get on with it already how can people reach out to you and learn more? Uh, you can find me on my website, RaniaFraser.com. And of course, I'm on social media, Instagram and Facebook. It's Rock and Roll Coach Ronnie. That's the tag. Yeah. 